Hello and welcome once again to the How Long to Beat podcast. Uh, you are listening as always to me, Rick, um, alongside my co-host Alex. Hello. And Paula. Hello. Who in a perfectly audio-friendly move has come dressed in a lab coat. More on that later. Um, as always, <laughs> we're going to talk about the games we've beaten, retired and been playing. Uh, we're then going to touch on knowledge based unlocks in games. Uh, plenty to unpack there. And then we'll finish with what I think is the last round of this game week in the latest run of How, How Long, Long to, to Be, be the, the Game. game. Ooh, that so good. that will be exciting. Um, let's roll straight through this. So I am the only person who's finished games this week. So I'm I playing Biggins, jump. so I got nothing. <laughs> and, and mine are, I've, I actually haven't had loads of gaming time this week either, same as I think you two, but my gaming time has been well-directed. So I've got two small sort of itch games. I'll cover those first. Um, first of those is Gummy Shooter. Um, I've had this tab open on my browser for like a year, meaning to download it and play it, and I finally did. Um, and it took all of 10 minutes to play. Um, it is a interesting little side-scrolling shooter where you can only move forward while you're shooting, and you can only regenerate bullets when you stop, and you can backstep and that'll stop the reload. Um, but it's like a, a, a speedrun sort of score attacky thing where... There is a predetermined finite set of enemies and the challenge is how quickly can you get through all of those. Um, fun little distraction. Nice enough. Um, graphics are lovely. Um, a little bit like um, was it Tower Bag, Bag Tower, um, that I played the other week. It's an idea that I don't think could necessarily sustain itself, but it's nice as a little bite-sized experience for what it is. Um, second short game I played um, is a browser-based visual novel called Gutless. Uh, this is by a collective called Domino Club, uh, which counts friend of the podcast Cecile Richard among its members. Um, their whole shtick is they don't tell you who made the game that has been released under that branding. It's like an anonymized thing. Um, the writing does feel a bit different to Cecile's. Maybe that's the point. I don't know. Um, but it's about a, um, a, a captain on a Lovecraftian sort of flesh vessel um in in a future um on a on a desperate mission it takes 15 20 minutes to read um it's a kinetic novel in the sense that there are no choices to make or, or no choices that affect the fundamental narrative um i thought the story was utterly compelling i don't really want to say anything more about it because i think it's something that um should be played and should be experienced it's not a big investment but the story has stayed with me um and it's it's a, an interesting tale, interestingly told. Um, so I was a big fan of this one, and I encourage anyone listening um, to seek it out on Itch. Um, if we are organized, you might find a link in the show notes. Otherwise, if you go onto itch.io and search Gutless, I imagine it will come straight up. Um, and then the one biggie that I've beaten this week is Voice of Cards, The Isle Dragon War Rules. The Isle Dragon Wars? Um, the Isle Dragon Rules. Wars. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. It's the first of three of the Voice of Cards games that they made. Um, I enjoyed it with some caveats. Um, as I've said when we've talked about this game in previous weeks, the, the conceit of it all being card-based is this game's solitary, unique hook. Um, there are other things it does that are uncommon but not novel. So the combat being based around um, 
like an action points based thing where the action points regenerate over time and they're a party pool. Um, Bravely for Fault does it a little bit that way. Um, there are other RPGs I've played that use similar systems. Um, the combat is not difficult outside of a couple of optional encounters. So it's it's largely window dressing in a lot of respects. It, it determines to a certain extent which choices you'll make and, and how you move things around, um, but not massively. Similarly, there is um, uh, a party setup choice to be made, both in terms of individual party members uh, within a group and also the skill set and abilities of each party member. Um, I only had to tweak those maybe a couple of times in the whole game. Um, and it's not to say it's a bad system, it just feels a little bit um, underutilized because the combat just isn't difficult enough to make you take advantage of that. Um, I did like that it was very um, very short, and I mean that in the sense that it, it didn't pad itself out. It was um, a streamlined and focused package. I beat the whole thing in around about 12 hours from memory, um, and I think, if anything, that was ever so slightly too long. But it's worth saying I did also seek out optional encounters and um, had this like OCD thing of turning over every card on the world map. So I sort of explored the whole thing every single time, which you don't need to do to progress the game. Um, and there are a couple of story-focused instances where you literally can't, but to the extent that I could, I did. Um, <clears throat> it has put me off a little bit playing the other two just because I gather that they are this but again, basically. Um, so I think for people who are listening, if you've played other short RPGs that we've recommended, things like Cosmic Star Heroine, Jack Move, and you want a short RPG, you like the aesthetic, um, I would probably say look at the three store pages, see which story intrigues you the most, pick that one and play it, and that's probably you. Um, I may well return to the other two another time. Um but I think for my for the time being, I'm I'm happy that I've had my filler voice of cards. Um, really happy I played it. I did enjoy it. Um, I think the package itself is strong, as long as you are aware of the, the shortcomings of the setup. Um, like it, it's the kind of game that I probably couldn't, in good conscience, recommend to either of you because I don't think the pros outweigh the cons versus other things you might want to put your time towards. But I don't think that's the case for everyone. I think there is really. And I feel like I say this every time I play a short RPG that is good or great. There is absolutely a space in the market for a shorter RPG experience that ticks all of those boxes. Um, and you can absorb in, you know, 20, 30 minute chunks over a period of time or binge in a weekend. I ended up doing the former. Um, and this absolutely is that. Um, it's almost like a, a Metroidvania 8 sort of thing where it, it, it's hard to recommend because there are loads of other great options like. Cosmic Star Heroine, infinitely better than this. Jack Move, infinitely better than this. Albeit different art styles, different settings, different setups. Um, all of that negativity is to say that this was like a, a, a seven stroke eight for me, and I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, that maybe brings us neatly on to a game that you might be retiring, Alex, that you have enjoyed but might not be finishing. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, basically, like... <clears throat> I, I'm retiring, uh, not to bury the lead, I'm retiring uh, Hi-Fi Rush just because honestly it was like I went on vacation and uh, obviously didn't play any Xbox and I have not even really touched my Xbox this week because um, of how freaking busy that I was just getting everything sort of squared away. Like I'm actually having, this week's actually going to be a slightly less intense. Let me put it this way. I had 116 essays to mark 
uh, over the last mm-hmm. week. Yeah, of which the shortest was like two pages, double space, right? Like they're all like very, like, they're long essays. Um, and so I was just like, shit. <laughs> um, having this moment where it's like, I don't have time. I'm just marking all the time, basically. Um, so I was thinking about it and there's a certain game coming out next uh, this Friday or will it be out by the time that you're listening to this, which is Resident Evil 4 Remake, which uh, looks like it is absolutely everything that I want entirely. And it looks perfect. And I had a bunch of old games that are kind of worthless, but they're all technically worth $10 DB games. So I just, they have the three for one trade-in deal. And I always like giving them games that are literally like, I don't think I could sell this game, but if you guys want to take it, and give me a brand new game. I'm happy to give you them. It's fine by me. <laughs> um, so I did that. And so I've got that pre-order waiting. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of it, honestly. I just, I love the game, but I recognize that it was like, it's this or Dead Space. And at the moment I'm like, well, I paid for Dead Space. So I'm going to beat Dead Space. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I actually didn't pay for Dead Space either. I, I, had a, I had trade credit for that. But do you know what I mean? I own Dead Space. Hi-Fi Rush is just on Game Pass. I can play that whenever. <laughs> that's a whole can of worms with the whole game pass model and, and the way that it makes you look at those games that is definitely one we need to come back to oh uh, yeah i feel like i've talked game pass into the ground but we can talk it again sometime if you want i don't think i have anything interesting to we'll say see. anymore we'll, <laughs> see. we'll see but it'd be interesting because you're gonna have a, a survival horror sandwich going on there oh hell yeah my two two of my favorite like <laughs> those are like my favorite survival horror games of all time and i'm gonna get both like two remakes of them in one year this is the best year to be a survival horror fan i'm like my god those are like yeah, literally, like Resident Evil Four is the great one of the greatest. Although uh, I don't think it's actually fair to call Resident Evil Four survival horror because it's not. It's it's action. It's more a thrill ride, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's action horror. You know, like it's not. It, that's when uh, it really jumped the ship, and uh, it's super fun. Dead Space is more survival horror than Resident Evil Four, I think, but also in a similar vein. Like they're so similar to each other, just in totally different um, areas. Um, but in terms of influences and stuff, like you can tell, like they were deeply inspired by Resident Evil Four with that game. But I'll and talk if about you go that. back and look at Dev Diaries, that that is absolutely true. They they saw yeah. Resident Evil come out mid development, and they were like, "This is the kind of thing we are supposed to be doing." This is the way. <laughs> yeah, literally, and yeah. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, and uh, they nailed it, and this remake nailed it, and it it's looking, you know, by all extensive purposes, that the Resident Evil Four remake fucking nailed it as well. The thing's got like a ninety two or something on open critic which is like absurdly high when it comes to open critic so i'm just like yep looks like they fucking nailed it yet again (laughs) um which makes me very very happy and now i'm curious to see if they'll end up redoing five and six because i actually think you could like there is actually a fun game under those um they just sort of screwed them up a little bit but i'd rather see like code veronica and like resident evil and resident evil uh zero get remade first i'm like because I know there is a remake of Resident Evil technically, but I just really want to see. Like, you know what? Do Zero and One together as one game in a remake. And like, ooh, fucking sick. So down. You know they'll charge separately for those. That's not going to happen. Probably. You but with, with Capcom these days, though, I'm not, I wouldn't even be upset if they did. Because um, the, the only reason I think is that, like, I think they might have learned because, again, when they released three separately, I don't think it did quite as well. So they, I don't know. I could see them. I don't know if Zero would have its own staying power, but that's a whole other thing. Uh, Resident Evil mm-hmm. on its own, you could easily remake that and sell it for full price and it would be fu- totally, totally worth it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 
but I don't know. I haven't actually played Zero. It's one that I've always meant to, but it seems like it's even a little too archaic for me at this point. Anyway, that's my ramblings. Um, what about you, Rick? You retired something as well, haven't you? I did, and this is one I, I spoke about briefly last week. Um, it is a game called Tokyo 42, and unfortunately, the negative reviews on the Steam page for this game were spot on. Um, the isometric viewpoint is a massive hindrance to everything it's trying to do. So um, this is like a, a top-down cyberpunk game. Um, it's supposed to be a combination of exploration, assassination, platforming, and um, general combat. The tricky thing with the combat is it's one hit kill, so there's no room for error. And to make the combat work in the slightest, you have to be able to move the camera and the person and your aim at the same time. And you only really have enough inputs properly for two of those things. So the inelegant solution that the developers implemented is a um, quarter turn, not quarter turn, might even be a quarter turn, but like a 90 degree angle change left and right on Q and E if you are on keyboard that is unplayable because to move your camera you have to stop moving if you stop moving in a firefight with more than one person you are dead um so once it started throwing some more involved firefights at me I had to switch to keyboard to controller rather which helps a little bit because those movements are then mapped to left bumper right bumper um but I had some real problems getting the um the aiming on the right analog stick to feel right. Um, and, and ultimately, I just couldn't quite get there. The platforming was actually okay. Um, there was a lot of criticism of that. I didn't necessarily mind it. Um, there's a little sort of guide circle underneath your character when they jump. I found that was more than enough to, to navigate myself. And it, it was um, a really aesthetically pleasing world to explore to the extent that I did explore it. Um, it's got this real interesting sort of I suppose it's almost a halfway house between Mirror's Edge and and something grittier like a Jack move, where it's all these um, flat textures, clean lines, it's all angular design. But from that isometric perspective, you can still see some of the detail in things, and there's a bit more detail than Mirror's Edge tried to do. So I think from a, from a visual perspective, it, it was a real triumph. And I think that's probably where the developers have fallen a little bit. They've... They've got this amazing vision, and from a purely visual perspective, they've nailed it. But they're making a video game, and the video game part fundamentally doesn't work, really. Um, I think I spent 10 minutes bashing my head against uh, this fight before eventually getting through it, and then I got to the next one, and, and I just noped out. It wasn't worth plowing more into it. And, you know, again, it's a shame because there, there was definitely a good game under there. Um, the beginnings of an interesting story. Um, you know, classic Cyberpunk, you're framed for murder and you've got to find out who's responsible. And it's all the corpse and, you know, infighting and backstabbing and all that stuff. So, yeah, I do apologize. Um, so really interest, interesting one there. The game's got to be fun to play and this just wasn't. So um, it got parked unfortunately. That's, um, yeah, kind of the most important part of the game. <laughs> well, exactly. Exactly. And uh, not the only game I've had some real, real heartache with this week, so I didn't want to like it. Um, I'll just expend all of my stuff and then I can take a rest while you guys talk about your playing. So um, one of the games I was playing last week was Muramasa Rebirth for the Vita. 
Um, I was playing that on a 64 gig memory card, which died. Mm-mm. And like, I knew it was on the way out. I backed up my saves. Cleverly, I hadn't made the time to copy those save backups to my computer. And the memory card corrupted to the extent that the, the application you use to do the, the computer conversation, which is called VitaShell, um, corrupted. Corrupted to the point that I couldn't delete it, couldn't open it, couldn't change it. So... You really fucked it. <laughs> that setup is gone, girl. Now, the flip side of that is I've come away largely unscathed. Like, I have lost a lot of save games, mostly completed saves. So... Um, Ratchet and Clank Trilogy, those completed saves didn't really matter. They're gone. Um, I lost my Persona 4 Golden, completed save. I was never going to New Game Plus that. It's much of a muchness. It doesn't really matter. Like, it sucks, but it doesn't really matter. Um, The most frustrating loss was that I played about three hours into the new campaign of Muramasa, and um, that's gone forever. Now, that would have been annoying because there's an extra difficulty unlock with New Game Plus, which is what I was playing on. Fortunately, and this is bougie as fuck, on one of my other Vitas, I had that other save duplicated. And that's a 32 gig card, which is absolutely fine. So I've had to start my replay again, but I haven't lost the ability to play it on that higher difficulty. And, um, you know, Muramasa is one of those 11 out of 10 games that I don't mind playing those opening hours again, like it's fine. Um, I get to experience it all over and I'm enjoying doing so. So it's not too bad. It could have been far, far worse. Got away with that. But I, I have made negative progress on the game this week, which is fun. Um, <clears throat> made positive progress on Final Fantasy VII Remake, which I am, I think, about a quarter of the way through, roughly. Um, non-spoiler for anyone who's played or playing the game, um, I am... Approaching Mako Reactor 5. Um, really, really good. Still really, really enjoying it. Definitely slightly interesting now, thinking back to reviews, talking about what a technical masterpiece it was on PS4. It does look great, but some of those texts just take their sweet time to load in. And there is some PS2-ass asset work at parts. All of which is fine. Like The overall game is still phenomenal, but doesn't necessarily jive with what I remember reading, um, which was which was an interesting discovery. Um, played a lot more of Death to the Memories Between. Um, it's interesting because it is a roguelike, but they are preset levels. So there's not really much RNG. To the extent that it has it, it's only enemy placement within those pre-baked levels, um, which I like. I also like that it gives you the option to skip early parts that you've already done, or it incentivizes you to replay the game by giving you extra buffs for playing the bits you've played again. The combat's good. The gameplay's good. I'm still quite early doors, but I can already tell there are a lot of avenues um, for the game to open up new options and opportunities for me. Uh, You end up with parties of three playing through the various levels. Um, Anyone who's listening who's got a Netflix account, it's free on mobile. You literally go into your Netflix client on your phone, download the app, Android or iOS, and you're good to go. It, it's well worth a try at that price. Um, the, the writing is getting a little better. The characters are warming on me. Some of that is definitely, you know, the, the um, British solidarity sort of thing. It, it's very authentically written for the, for the area of the UK that it is. 
Um, and that's been an enjoyable aspect for me in particular. Um, your mileage may vary with that, I suppose. But the game has left a very, very good first impression so far with me. Um, and then two new games this week. So the first of those is Mark of the Ninja Remastered, um, one of the original Clay games after they made Shank and Shank 2. Um, I have interesting memories of this playing uh, on a really awful PC that could only barely handle it maybe 12 years ago. The game wasn't long out. It had just been in one of the Humble Bundles. And I was playing playing with like a, a wired third-party controller with the most god-awful buttons you've ever seen in your life on a on a crikey what was the resolution on that We've screen all had those controllers it was like 720 by 1028 or something awful nice um but the game was great and the quality shone through then and it's absolutely still shining through now um it's nice curling up with it on switch you know in an evening um and being able to enjoy the the blacks of it in that kind of environment um i'm not really a big stealth fan but the stealth here in this 2d setting with lots of options for, for misdirection and, and movement is still a lot of fun. So really enjoying revisiting this one. And I've also started Front Mission for the Nintendo DS. So this is a port of a, a classic SNES um, turn-based RPG. Um, the DS release was the first time it got localized officially into English. Um, and I think it was supposed to be in some respects a remake. It does retain a certain amount of um, age is the wrong word. It retains a certain amount of um, not archaic. There's a lot of, sort of old style design and sensibilities that are still present in this game um, in terms of the menus, in terms of how slow the, the text scrolls um, in a few other bits. Um, I have my concerns about the combat long-term because all of the Vwanzas seem to have three kinds of attack, long-range, short-range, melee. Um, I am mildly concerned that that might limit the, the amount of variety in the combat in the long run. But my early impressions are quite good. Um, graphically, the, the, the pixel art style and the little sort of moving mechs wonderful on the ds um they make great use of the second screen they put almost all of the pertinent information you need on the top screen and then all the actions happening on the main screen and i think particularly for turn-based rpgs and um games where there's lots of relevant numbers that you need all at once it's those sort of situations where the ds and the 3ds absolutely excel and this seems to be no different um so cautious optimism at this stage i have enjoyed what i've played so far um, and I look forward to absorbing more of it. Um, that is me. I get to shut up for a little bit now. Uh, Paula, what have you been playing this week? So first of all, um, I've been playing Pokemon Scarlet because I'm still like trying to, in this stage of the game, I'm trying to read a competitive uh, team. And also, I've been sorting out my uh, PC boxes and making a live box. That means having like the whole Pokedex inside of the PC box. So, and you have like a copy, one of each Pokemon of the entire Pokedex. By the way, I'm about halfway through organizing the boxes. I'm freeing some, up some space because uh, since I went into 
a bit of uh, Francis like with the team building uh, a little bit earlier. Um, I had like boxes and boxes of Evis and uh, Esprigatitos, which I promptly trade, uh, surprise trade, sorry. And then started releasing like all the duplicate Pokemons that I, that I was getting. And yeah, it's been kind of like slow over here in Pokemon Scarlet, though there was an event recently the, during the weekend where you could cut you could catch uh, the CGI, which is a Pokemon from the Sun and Moon games. And it's one of the starters, so you could catch uh, six IV, like perfect stats, the CGI with the Terratype flying, and it is a level uh, 100, the CGI, which we caught. Um, I have to say, I even carried the team because he had a level 100 meter item and somehow he nearly one hit KO'd the, one hit KO'd the, um, the Decidueye. Which, by the way, it is a seven star raid. So those are pretty difficult to, usually pretty difficult to, um, to beat. But it seems not in this opportunity. And that is about it for Pokemon Scarlet. I've also been playing something that makes Rick really, really happy, which is Citizen Sleeper, finally. 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 I chose the, um, how do you pronounce that? Machinist? Machinist? Machinist. Machinist. And... Right now, I haven't been able like to really take advantage of like that uh, extra stat, that extra point on uh, what is it called, like engineer stuff, mm -hmm. uh, because I'm not very like far far into the game. But I have to say, it's very interesting. the The setup is very interesting. Like, um, should I say it or should I like leave it? In suspense, so people can experience it for themselves because it is a very story-driven game. Well, I mean, I think it's probably it. as as spoiler-free as you can, maybe. But yeah, I mean, if if you're listening and you haven't already played this, maybe maybe skip a minute. But yeah, as, as spoiler-free as you can, I reckon. Okay, so you are from what I gather so far, you pretty much like run away from somewhere, and you have to. Uh, somewhat like make your own life or like escape from from this place or whatever or like you have some kind of objective but the thing is you have limited time because reasons mm. and on each day counts as a cycle so you have three three dice from what I gather or maybe like more dice I don't know what it depends on um, that are rolled at the start of the day and then you get those rolls uh like let's see let's say i got a three three a four a five so i get to pick in which event i use my uh each of the dice rolls 
and that will probably depend on like how risky the action is because if it's a very risky action i would rather use like a higher role than mm -hmm. if it's like a safe action which is usually like talking to people and here you have to also take care of how many days you have left and how many sorry not how many uh, your stamina which is based like on your hunger usually so if you starve then you have some realizations and if you don't eat in a certain amount of time well you're dead uh, so you have to kind of like manage your time accordingly and make decisions accordingly like to advance on the story see what is going on here and see how you get out of this pickle which is limited time and yeah it's pretty interesting i'm trying really hard not to go into spoilers because i want to comment so many things about this game um uh, which quite well, literally blew my mind later. when i first <laughs> hmm? yeah that'll this is a spoiler cast waiting to happen for sure this is a spoiler cast waiting to happen like really um because it like I've only played about a half an hour, but there's so much, so many interesting things happening around the, the character that it chose that I really need to talk about it, like in depth. And this little segment isn't going to cut it. Sorry, but that's the truth. And yeah, so far I'm pleasantly surprised with the game. Um, still not so keen on having like the, my decisions being not my decisions, my roles being made for me, like at the start of the game, I'm having to kind of manage that. Like, I'm more into like having each individual event, having an individual role, like in uh, this Coliseum, mainly because I, I like that um, uncertainty of, am I gonna fail stupidly or am I gonna be a hero here? or just survive like a normal person. And yeah, that's the one thing I'm kind of like iffy on, but overall a very good experience and I want to keep playing it. Um, speaking of this Elysium, I'm kind of missing the voice actor because I'm usually, I usually play in games that have some degree of voice acting. So not having anything accompanying accompanying my ears here is kind of like it feels kind of lonely not gonna lie but well this game was made on a limited budget so i will have to do with uh the usual ready i think it's just one person isn't it it's a solo dev is it it is solo dev wow that's yeah I'm yeah fellow curious. traveler is a, a yeah. single person so that's why I that's was like, impressive. there's no way they're having fucking voice acting. <laughs> yeah. No. Someday, maybe. Absolutely no way. It's gotten like, I know not so. I know not every game can uh, have voice acting, but it is nice to have voice acting. Like, you know what I mean? Unless it is bad voice acting, then I'd rather go without voice acting. Yeah, I'm kind of of two minds of it, no. because like with this game, I... <laughs> I guess the voice acting sometimes gets you to listen through, but I skip so much dialogue so fast. I'm just like, what is it done? What is it done? What is it done? <laughs> That's just me. Better, more, better to have more choice, right? <laughs> yeah. 
you know. But I'd always rather yeah. the money goes towards something else if it is a choice between voice acting or something different. Like it's the least important thing. Mm. Uh, speaking of one game that I've been playing a little bit of that has voice acting is Casehead Noah and um, one thing that I was talking about with, uh, with Rick and Alex before we went on recording was we cannot talk about the science adventure series without a, a lab code because Okabe from Stainscape pretty much made it obligatory to have a lab code in on at any moment you're talking about the series. And we thought that was a throwaway comment, but lo and behold, bedecked actually- in a lab coat does Paola arrive. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually practicing my lines for whenever I um, do play Stainscape because right now I'm in the first game of the series and Stainscape's second game of the sh- of the series. And I do have, I am preparing my mad to scientist accent and my evil laughter for the occasion, but that is neither here nor there. I eagerly uh, await this reveal. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh, um i haven't been playing too much but she started to hit the fan again as if the um i'm gonna say initial joke of something bad happening wasn't enough uh right now everything is going a little bit out of control so I'm really looking forward to your uh eventual playthrough Rick. I kinda want to Yeah. I really want to know like how do you react to all this fuckery going on here? Because it is something. I do feel that Stainskid has a stronger writing and also a stronger protagonist as much of a macho scientist, completely nuts character of a very is. Um, I do like him more as a, as a main character and rather than having, um, was it Takumi? I think it was Takumi because Takumi is a bit of, uh, he's a giant, but that's not the reason why it, it is hard to always read his thoughts. It's more of how he, like the how he talks and how he thinks. Like it is, it, I, I sometimes I I kind of struggle. Like I know he's like kind of like reacting to very strong stuff that is going on around him, and honestly, he's going kind of insane right now. But still, like how, he, like he's. Overall attitude, I guess, um, is not as. Could you even call it very relatable? I don't know, but it's not as fun to watch. That's that's. I think that's what I'm gonna say. Uh, still, the there's funnily enough there's not one character that really stands out to me like right now as being like hey like this is like the um probably the 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 kind of one like the um true route uh character whatever 
which is kind of refreshing because most of the visual models that I get to play, um, they pretty much wave around the main uh, uh, love interest or the main route even. Like, hey, this is the main objective. You don't miss it. Like, I know we get it, but in that sense, it's kind of refreshing the way the game is being presented because right now everything, everyone, everyone, everything and its shadow is an enemy, which is interesting. That's, I think, all I am able to say without going to really heavy spoiler territory. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, I want to hear your reaction to the science adventure series, right? Because it is a doozy. And you will. Uh, the other game that is like, why did I finish on this one? Um, the other game that I'm playing is Magikarp Jump. Magikarp. The, the, I haven't like gone into the next league yet. I haven't even changed. I haven't even retired my current Magikarp, the one I spoke about talk about last week yet so really nothing of note right now and alex do you have something of note to say about those games but you have there? not really <laughs> but uh i do have a God little bit <laughs> uh, well i just yeah i've only been playing on transit so i actually have been playing a lot of fire emblem engage i'm probably i'm well past where you are now at this point um i'm well over halfway through i think um, I think there's like 27 chapters or something like that. And I'm like 15, 16, something like that. Um, so I spent a lot of time um, actually like, not like grinding per se, but like I was fighting some skirmishes and stuff because I wanted to level. Like I, I like to play Fire Emblem and, you know, not you don't have to do this when you play the game for sure, but I don't like to, you know, class up anyone until they've hit 20. Because, um, you know, you're, you're just, you're getting rid of experience points if you don't do that. <laughs> um better just to get them all the way up there because they can technically although there are some there is one particular class that you have to wait till like 40 to class them up um which takes a while <laughs> uh, but they're super good anyway but uh yeah i've been playing all everything i said last week continues to hold um i still think three houses is a better experience in this one but i really do still love it um its story is it's pretty weak. It, it's it's probably the weakest Fire Emblem story in a long time, I think. Um, I think the emblems are a bad idea. The more I've been playing through it now, the more I'm like, this was a bad call. Um, shame on you. <laughs> Intelligent Systems, I'm like, this is nostalgia bait. This was stupid. Um, and they haven't gotten even remotely better. They they do these things where you have these... I don't, I don't think... No, it's not a spoiler. Anyway, there are these para like there's there's paralogs in fire emblem games right and all i would say is that there are though some that are related to the emblems and they're so superficial like they're it's just again the bond dialogue between your character and the fucking emblems are two dialogue boxes one for your character one for the for the for the fucking emblem like I do not understand what the fucking thought process was on doing it like this. I remember when I saw the trailer, I was like, I don't like that. Like I knew like the minute I saw it, I was like, uh oh, oh, not good idea. Especially because, listen, I I love Fire Emblem. I do. I truly do. But for fuck's sakes, there are so many characters in the Fire Emblem games, and most of them 
you couldn't give a fucking rat's ass about. Like, they just don't matter. And you decide to make a game wherein you get all these emblem rings from, like, the characters on those other games, of which, I even in Japan, I would be so surprised to know there's not that many people who've played all the Fire Emblem games. You know what I'm saying? Like, they've been out for so long, and there are so many of them. Like, even myself, who has played a lot of the Fire Emblem games, I'm not even close to having played them all. There's a bunch of these heroes who I'm like, who the fuck's this guy? Oh, right. And it's like, and then, okay, and then you don't tell me who they are. You know what I, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, if you're going to do this shit, why not fucking explain a little bit of who these motherfuckers are besides just having their emblem rings have something signifying the title of the game they're from which in and of itself is very strange because it almost implies weirdly that these individuals are these titles in this it's so weird it's so fucking weird and like the ethics are insane have we trapped the souls of these people for thousands of years what does it mean for time as well? Did all of this play out in a past or in parallel universes? Is there a multiverse in this? What is going on? Um, and the thing is, there is zero explanation that will make this satisfying. Do you know what I mean, right? Like, it's like, yeah, I could sit here and say like, oh, I bet you the reason these emblems are all here is because there's a multiverse and these dragons can communicate across. It's fucking, oh, fucking fucking what fuck off like it's so fucking stupid like i i don't i'm just i'm there's no way you can explain this in a way that i'm gonna be like that's very interesting you know what i'm saying like because it has no tangible meaning in the world they're fucking macguffins they're a bunch of fucking macguffins and i don't mind video games all have macguffins you know also sorry for those listening you explain macguffins macguffins are you know, things in a game that you, you know, like they're a thing in media or whatever that you have to go get because they, they, they're important for something, but ultimately they just don't matter. They could be anything, right? It, like honestly, the infinity stones are MacGuffins, right? They could be anything, um, but they're infinity stones. That's just the form that they take. They're a little bit better than most MacGuffins, but they're MacGuffins, frankly. Um, and that's what the emblem rings are, right? They could be anything else. It's just, they're the things you have to collect in order to beat the bad guy, right? Um, it could have been 12 fucking popsicle sticks it wouldn't matter right it doesn't matter it's just the things you need and they happen to be rings that like you know connect you to some other fucking dude and then you gotta make all these fucking stupid rings and put them on all your dudes and you can't optimize it you can optimize their inventory which is a sick fucking idea i love it they've done it for a while now in the things <laughs> and you can straight up optimize all the ones that you just have like selected to go in um and it's not perfect in its optimization because you, you know you'll probably still want to go in and you know, change a couple little things here and there uh, but it's awesome. But the, you can't fucking do that with the emblem rings. You got to go through and think to yourself, what fucking stat increase does this guy need? And you're like, okay, so this one. And you're like, oh, Jesus, I have like 300 fucking rings now. Um, and it's like, I just so fucking, oh, it's so fucking stupid. I hate it so much. I'm like, this is the worst thing they've added to Fire Emblem in so long. And I'm just like, I have to say, ugh. like, for a second, you said, like, thinking, strategizing, on my strategy game, got pervaded. This isn't thinking and strategizing. This is fucking <laughs> minutia. You strategize when you play the fucking game, not when you go into your fucking thing and go, okay, which of these fucking stupid rings do I want to put onto this motherfucker? Because it's not even like you are like, you know, in three houses, you got to do like school and shit, right? And so you got to decide like how you're going to do that. You did strategize. You strategize and like, how am I going to improve all these different units and put them through things? 
and you would put them through stuff. That's like when you go to the arena, right? You're increasing your XP and shit. No, these are fucking trinkets that you shove in your fucking character. They're not fucking, it's not fucking strategy. It's fucking, oh, let's give them two, because you know what? Their buffs are plus one dexterity or some shit. It's like nothing. But then you still got to put them on because you'd be stupid not to. That to me is not thinking and strategizing because here's the deal, right? It's not even strategizing because all you're doing is going, okay, they're a thief. Thief need dex. Oh yeah, it's a magician. Magician need magic. Oh, it's a, that's not fucking strategy. You know what I'm saying? It's literally number crunching and it drives me crazy. It's so stupid. Strategizing is like creating my team, you know? That's what I love in Fire Emblem. It's like, okay, I have this list of things. I know the weapon wheel. I know that I'm going to need some magic. I know I'm going to need some counters. I'm going to need some archers. Oh, look, this map has a lot of flying enemies, so I'm going to have to boost up on my archers for this one. Oh, look, this map, you know, that's strategy. That's fun. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's like the heart of the game. And that part of the game is like the best it's ever been. It's super fucking good. Um, it's, I mean, it's fucking phenomenal. Like, I, I played a bunch of skirmishes. I never played the skirmishes in Fire Emblem, but I don't care. It's really fun and they're hard. So I was like, that's a great time. Um, but it's like they stripped back all of the like, like you know, school stuff. To now it's just the Somnial to where it feels like when you go to the Somnial that you're like, you have a checklist of shit you have to do between each battle. You're like, I better go in and do my arena because now I can do the arena for three games. I better go fucking polish my stupid rings. Why do I have to polish fucking rings? Who sat down and was like, do you know what would be fun, guys? You know what would be really fucking fun? If we had a mini game where you hold A on a ring until it goes ding. And your guy goes, thanks, man, for keeping me polished. Oh, <laughs> fuck off. So fucking stupid, man. I'm like, no. There's a joke a- about polishing my ring that I'm not going to make. Look, there's the tons of jokes itself. you can make in there. Yeah, there's tons of shit. Um, <laughs> tons of fucking shit. But, um, oh, Jesus. Anyway, and then because you, know, you got to get your sports stuff. And you're like, all right, I'm going to go and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the fucking stables today. And like, you know what the point, you know, they know it's stupid. They know it's fucking stupid because there's skip results to results shit on all of these things, right? It's literally just like, and, and it's fine. The Somnial stuff is whatever because rec- realistically, it's like, here, this is just to kind of like, um, you know, buff up certain ones of your troops and shit, right? Like maybe some of your troops are kind of falling behind. But they've lo- it's like all the personality is stripped from it entirely. There's like no reason to, it feels so number crunchy, right? Like it feels like the game went from having this personality to becoming a number cruncher. And I really hate it. I'm like, I really don't like what they've stripped back here. And I feel like I see it more. Like there are some fire emblems that I think mask the fact that, yeah, you're doing a number cruncher kind of game. And they mask that better and they create this story and they create this kind of narrative and this adventure into it. But engage, it's like, I don't, it's so weird. It's like this crazy positive acclaim that Three Houses got across the board. And it's still one of the most wanted games on Switch. Like, to give you an idea, like EB Games here, right? They only want ever really want to buy back Switch games that are like, you know, worth the good shit they have like a, a list of like and obviously this isn't the best metric but they have like a games that they'll buy for 50 dollars. fire emblem fucking three houses has been on there since goddamn release and it's still there now even with engage out three houses and that's that's a fire emblem game those games never sell shit you know what i'm saying and like that game was huge and it's like they saw that and then they were like why don't we just get rid of everything people liked about it <laughs> i was like and i don't know why is the weapon wheel back why is it back we have had 
dozens of games. We've had so many games with the weapon wheel. We've had it. It's there. And then you introduced something that changed the system up and it made it more interesting and it was new and it was fun and I had to strategize differently. And now it's fucking rock, paper, scissors again. Are you serious? Like I was like, oh my God, why are we back to fucking rock, paper, scissors? I don't like rock, I paper, scissors. I like rock, paper, scissors. Are you for real? Rock, paper, scissors. Also, it doesn't yeah, make any I, sense. Why does the like, axe it, beat the fucking, they, they, what, what are you, what are you? Axe beat, I don't even fucking remember. Is it axe beat sword? I can't even fucking remember anymore. No, axe beats uh, lances yeah. because it, it breaks the lance. Oh, oh it, it breaks break a lance. I'm going to tell you something right now. Most of history was fought with spears and lances because you know what they do? They go pokey pokey and kill a motherfucker from far away. You're not breaking a fucking lance with an axe. And that's serious? why they beat swords because they've got superior reach. Right, yeah, and swords somehow beat yeah. fucking act. Like, it makes no sense. It's fucking nonsensical. It is literally just rock, paper, scissors. And you know what? Rock, paper, scissors makes more sense because you can sm fucking smash a rock with scissors. <laughs> you can smash... Yeah, but uh, like, what? Oh, paper wraps a rock up and suddenly the rock's rendered useless. You know what? I can buy it more. <laughs> like, oh, that, like, up. literally, because I can picture a piece of paper wrapping around a rock. Um, the fucking axe beating the lance. I can't picture that. What? that supposed to look like is it is this saying that like when a guy comes in with a lance that the axe guy goes Pah! and like cuts it in half no he's stabbed in the chest i just it's oh god anyway i just i hate <laughs> that so japan intelligent systems yeah alex says he can't picture an axe beating a lance we need to take it out I can't, well, not, like not every time it makes no sense do you know what i mean like they're literally designed to poke a motherfucker like the, the, and the, it's so funny because like so then why is the sword um because okay right so Axe goes against Lance, right? <laughs> Lance goes against Sword, which I can understand that because Lance, frankly, should go against everything because it's a pokey stick that no one can fucking fight against because <laughs> it's a big fucking pokey stick. You just poke a motherfucker with it and they're dead. Um, and anyway, sorry, this is the historian part in me where like, I know it's fine. I don't need my games to be historically accurate, especially not Fire Emblem. But if you're going to base a system around literal things, can it make a little bit of sense? You know what I mean? Like, Because it just doesn't. Um, and then also, anyway, it's have, so, and why are bows so good against both. flying? <laughs> like, I mean, they're, they should be as good against someone on the ground as they are in the fucking air. It's not like someone in the air is easier to hit than someone on the ground. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, look, he's flying. Like, it, arguably, he's harder to hit because when you're on the ground, you can actually, like, you have, like, a perspective. You can see where they're at. And they're in the air. You just, like, boink. I hope I hit him. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, but it, since they're flying, you can just attack the wings and it falls that's the logic behind it <laughs> that's the logic behind it okay has any has anyone ever tried to shoot an arrow at a bird <laughs> the fucking shit is not easy man that's fucking hard as hell like there's a reason that like pheasant hunting and shit only really started when they had guns because it was like now you can actually shoot the damn thing um anyway it's it's whatever i don't i don't care i don't need it to be a thing but I liked the fact that they got rid of that weapon wheel because I always thought it was hokey as hell and it actually felt to me like it was reducing the strategic output of the game because you just, you knew like no matter what, if I have this sword dude, I'm just going to beat these guys. Um, if I have this dude, I'm just going to beat these guys. And I preferred the fact that your characters felt a little more loose and you could, I, like I was using a bunch of different weapons with different characters, you know? Like I was able to like, 
have more varied individuals in that game. And then in this one, it's just like, no, all right, this is my sword dude, and here's my here's my bow dude, and I better make sure I got one of each because otherwise I'm gonna die. <laughs> you know, it's just like, and then also it means that certain characters are just tanks in this game, like Louis. You've been playing with Louis, Paula. Louis is the one with the big armor. Armor right? and the spear, yeah. Louis armor and the spear is invincible. Louis has killed. I played one match where I was outmatched and all my guys died because it was a skirmish and I was I was way underleveled. Louis killed twenty people in that game. He just stood there and they came at him and they could not do anything because they just can't pierce his armor at all. And yeah, you could say the magic guys can do it. You can fucking kill the magic guys with like two shots. They're gone. Um, even the armored guys can kill the magic guys really fast. They just throw a javelin at them and they're dead. Like, I'm like anyway, it's like, it doesn't feel strategic to me anymore. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just that I know this game, but suddenly the game feel like I felt like when I was playing Free Houses that I couldn't cheap it as much, you know? Like it felt like, I couldn't like go, aha, here's the one. And maybe I'm just misremembering. Who knows? Maybe the, maybe that game had all the exact same issues, but I, I don't feel that it did because it certainly felt different when I was playing it. Um, it is interesting because I had the exact same problems that you had with, I mean, not exact same problems, but I had the, oh, uh, Three Houses is like not as strategic because it likes the weapon triangle. But how is the weapon triangle strategic? Because... Can you just explain that to me? <laughs> okay. Let, let me explain. If you are able you to hit like every uh, every weapon with every weapon, like it doesn't matter which weapon you're using, then you're losing like that strategic angle where you have to be like, okay, I I have to. It is more um, it is more probable that that I hit that guy if I use this specific weapon. But do I um uh do I uh take the, the the chance and try to hit it with this other weapon even though it is um uh, weak against that weapon? If you're playing on especially if you're playing like on on occasional on classic mode, you have to double you have to do a double take because if you leave your guide unprotected against a unit that is strong against it, then you're probably going to lose him. Instead, in three houses, the problem that I had and the, the reason that I dropped it is because I pretty much kill everything with Dimitri because there was no weapon triangle. There was no way that he would be weak against anything. So okay, but that's that the doesn't happen in Engage. You're not weak against stuff. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, okay, this you is, are, especially like in the higher difficulties. Maybe in higher difficulties, so, right? But in higher difficulties, it's fucking hard. You know what I mean? Like, I, I like, I don't know. I get to the point where I'm like, sure, but like, when you're playing through, like, I'm playing on hard. Like, that's what I'm playing on right now, and legit, nothing really. Like, maybe you're slightly weaker, I guess, against like, but 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 again, you're not because really the only difference is that you can break an opponent's weapon, right? When you attack with with a stronger version, um, you, but it's you highly break the inconsistent. You the opponent's stance, but also uh, you have more avoidance or like more a uh, higher hit rate depending on the weapon you use against each weapon. Yeah, but again, that stuff can be just within your stats, right? Like it can be within your class level, within the arts that you have, like especially within the houses and stuff. 
And so when I'm playing it in this, it's not even really something I think about all that much because I've also noticed that the break is inconsistent. I'm actually not sure how it functions because they usually say that, oh, you break them and they're broken for that turn, but I'll break a dude and then the next guy will go to attack and they're not broken. And I'm like, I just broke the guy. Why is him? Why am I not broken anymore? Um, whereas they'll attack me, they'll break me. And then the next time I get attacked, I'm still broken, obviously, because I was broken. And so I'm like, uh, what is going on? Like, where is the consistency in this? Is it, is the character too low of a level? Is it whatever? Like the weapon's not a weak weapon. It's just, I don't know. I don't, I personally, like, I, I see what you're saying. I just don't think it ultimately adds, because you know what you mentioned with Dimitri? It's like, yeah, but I'm doing the same thing with Louis, right? Like my javelin dude, or my, my spear dude, I can go attack a guy who has a stronger weapon than me and fucking mince him in a second. Because ultimately, it doesn't really matter. It's about like the power of my character, right? Um, and so like, the only real difference is like, oh, okay, I guess like, you know, the lightning's gonna be weak against me. But it feels to me like you don't need necessarily a weapon triangle for that level of strategy to be in there, right? Like, there's all of these classes in um, in Fire Emblem, and it's like those classes themselves, like the classes themselves are the weaknesses against each other. You know what I mean? Like it's not really the weapons themselves because certain classes can only really use certain weapons. So at the end of the day, I'm like, why base it on the weapons themselves when it's clearly around these different classes that you have, which in and of themselves, are like fucking Pokemon, frankly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have different attacks and stuff. So I just, I don't know. I find the weapon wheel to be reductively simple. Um, and I, I, I see your argument. Like I get what you're saying about there being a bit of strategy within this. And like, you know, there's things you have to think about. But I, I don't know. I don't feel like it's made an impact on my gameplay experience, at least thus far. Like, yeah, I, I consider it to a degree, but I've noticed that doesn't really matter like no one's murking my guys based on their weapon you know they murk them on level um maybe on i don't know tankiness of the individual right like there's certain characters that are heavily armored that's what's mattered actually that's honestly what's been mattering way more is their heavy is like their armor rating that they have um and their strength level frankly or magic casting ability because you know you, you like and again that comes down to it because at the end of the day i'm like can i survive the hit Right? That's been the big thing. And so I can send in characters who, I don't know, have high avoid. And it's like, I don't really care what you go to fight against me or what you throw at me. I'm just going to avoid your attack no matter what. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, I just, I don't know. I'm just confused why you would try something new and then backpedal so aggressively in the next game. And clearly it has been a bad call because it has, it is, it is rated significantly lower than Three Houses is. Um, so like, again, on an individual level, I'm sure there are some who really enjoy um, what, you know, what's, what they've done and whatnot. But um, it just feels to me like, yeah, because like Three Houses has an 89 on Open Critic, right? Um, and uh, Fire Emblem Engage is sitting at an 81. Like, that's a pretty significant difference. And, like, Critics Recommend was a 95 for Three Houses and an 84 for Engage. And, like, not that critics are everything, but, like, that, to me, really does indicate that, like, something fucked up here. Like, there something went wrong with this. Um, and I'm just really sad. 
because I really love Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem is my favorite series. I think there's Phoenix Wright and then there's Fire Emblem. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, these are my two <laughs> favorites. So again, folks, as you listen, when I talk about this, this is coming from the heart of someone who feels very, very sad because they love this so much and I want it to be the greatest thing ever and I want everybody playing these all the time. Um, and I just like, I, I just, I can't wrap my head around why they did this. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just can't figure it out. Like, I don't, I just don't know. Why? Why did they do this? I don't, anyway, I don't know. Maybe you'll figure it out more, Paula, as we go along and as you play more and maybe it'll reveal itself. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You have to do a further, like further investigation on who directed the game. Uh, yeah. And also like um, what the, I'm going to say the main creative team uh, like the ones calling the jobs were thinking because uh, when there's a change of uh, of direction especially like you can see it clearly uh, when the original creator of Fire Emblem left the studio mm. you could see a shift on how the Fire Emblem games were yeah because uh, when did they done. leave again I can't remember I think that it was something along the lines of creative differences if I but I could be talking about my, uh, out of my ass, so not really sure there. But um, oh, he left they, a long time ago. Okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, like at the four fifth game, maybe before Thracia seven seven six. Yeah, yeah. In nineteen ninety nine. So <laughs> yeah, still, I'm gonna die on this hill of the weapon does uh, make a difference. It gives more of a chance to some of the units to shine more, as it doesn't precisely nerf a lot of the units, but it does give a little bit of a of a buff to some of the units because of how the avoidance and um, what's the hit and avoid thing uh, yeah. works, especially like uh, to the lighter units. I think those are the ones that get more of the benefits of the weapon triangle because otherwise they would maybe be too flimsy they're too flimsy to survive one hit so having that extra avoidance does make them a more viable in battle yeah, i mean ultimately magic and archers are, are just they're busted in this game like they're just like fucking yeah they fucking they were busted in egos too but i don't yeah. i don't think they're as busted as in egos but they're more busted in awakening yeah, they're crazy busted in this one. Like, it's it's actually wild. I can clear a full map with just a magic user. It's insane how strong they are. Because, like, all you really need to do is just, like, have a front line and just have them busting people. It's wild, actually. I'm like, they're, it's impressive. Um, and then if you have them on a uh, fucking dragon, oh, my God. <laughs> um, also, if you have a sniper with a longbow. Seriously. That's what everything I... Everything within uh, three to four square radius is... It's just dead, yeah. And they can even take hits in this one because, like, the archers are actually pretty tanky. Like, some of them are at least because there's a lord who can be a, an archer, and like this, that dude is like, that dude clears levels for me. Like, it's unreal. Like, there's like three people, um, the wyvern lady, um, the fucking one of the spellcasters from the very beginning, this lord archer and Louis. I might as well just have those four as my team because they fucking <laughs> and literally just castle somewhere and then everyone comes to you and you just 
you leave Louis out front and then everyone attacks him and he just kills them all in like three hits and then you just snipe them. It's, yeah, I don't know. And it's weird because even on hard, like, I'm suddenly like, it's not that hard anymore. And I'm like, oh, well, and I'm not playing on classic because I just don't really, I don't, I don't know. I, I almost don't feel like, like Fire Emblem, I guess it's designed like to play with classic because obviously they give you so many new characters and stuff. But like, is it really? <laughs> <laughs> because they have all these training segments, right? So if you play it on classic, the idea is that like, oh, someone will die. Now you go do training in some castle so that, you know, even if you die, they don't really die. Um, so I was like, I guess you can play on classic and make your game feel three times as long. Or you can just play it on normal. <laughs> um, or casual. Yeah, though, I have to say, like, the units that you get along the way, like, are sometimes on a higher level than your own. So Oh, they're, they're usually way higher level. Um, yeah. What I've noticed, though, is that, like, if you maintain your units from the beginning, they become significantly stronger than anyone that you pick up along the way. Um, yeah. Unless they're the a new unique class. Like, the new unique classes that you get, obviously, the good stuff. But, like, I don't I, I don't know. This is just what I've noticed, at least, in most Fire Emblem games. Because in a lot of Fire Emblem games, I, I used to, you know, I would just, like, start playing with the ones that I got. And then what I found is that as I got later into the game, that suddenly I was getting really outmatched. Um, and then times when I've just stuck with the original, like sort of people that you get along the way and really just like focus on a couple characters. It really, uh, cause I, th I think that's what Fire Emblem is meant to be played as at least is that like you get a core unit and you level those units up and you stick to those units. Um, and when you do that, it's like, you have a strong ass team. Um, and then they, you can like get through a lot of shit. Um, because there's too many characters to like, you can't micromanage them all. You'll be losing your mind if you try to like, there's just some who has to, they just have to sit on the bench. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, and the other thing you mentioned that I was trying not to interrupt you earlier mm. is that you said you were waiting for characters to hit the level 20 to uh, master seal them. Yeah. Uh, master class them. And the thing about this game is it doesn't work like that anymore. <laughs> Uh, the sooner you request your unit, the better. Uh, except when you use a second class seal, like second seal. Um, in that case, it is convenient for you to wait for it to hit level twenty, and then you second seal it, and it starts level one, I think, again. And then, uh, but you get to keep all your stats. Like you don't uh, lose stats for using the second seal. Yeah, I mean, but why wouldn't you want? Because like you gain a lot of stats, and then because you're gonna you're gonna hit the max really soon is the problem. Because in this one, when you, when you master seal, it's the same thing. You go back to level one. Yeah, but the thing is, is that you it doesn't make really a difference if you master seal it like soon or later because the overall growth that you get from the master seal is pretty much equivalent to what you would get to normal normal level up. So then you get more time to uh, develop your character and then you use the second seal and reclass them and gain more abilities. It's things... Is it though? Cause, cause but I a, think those okay. things matter more if you're like at a crazy hard difficulty level yeah. and micromanaging, micromanaging to hell and back your team. Yeah, because I was going to say, at this point, I don't know, at least for me, it feels like, yeah, I, I guess, do the stats work out like that? Okay. Because, I, I mean, all I know is that when I when I master seal up, my stats don't increase that much when I master seal. Um, 
like like they didn't they don't they didn't jump up very high like they just like just a couple points in a few areas um so i don't know maybe this is just change oh, okay the other thing that um you get into in higher difficulties is that if you're um you need this in getting speed boost on each level up it's probably that yeah, you need the speed. Sorry, I haven't like the first. war flashbacks from a Fire Emblem Awakening Lunatic Blast. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I'm just every... not interested in that yeah. that stuff. I mean, that that seems. I'm sure people love it and have a good time, but even on hard, it's enough of a challenge. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they have to. You have to keep in mind, speed is the best stat in the game no, because it allows time. you to attack more than once. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it's huge. I mean, it's the whole thing, right? Like. That's what I, that's why I was saying. That's what makes my wyvern lady so strong. She can attack twice before anyone can attack her, and so it's like, yeah, she fucking merc. Like she never takes damage and kills everybody. Even when they attack her, she gets to go twice first. <laughs> She's a fucking spellcaster, so they're dead. Um, yeah. Anyway, that, that's Fire Emblem Engage. Um, it, like I said, I'm gonna obviously beat this game because I fucking love Fire Emblem, and there's no way in hell I'm not gonna beat a Fire Emblem game. Um, but I think the reviewers are all kind of spot on that it's worse than the last one. Um, probably better than, um, birthright and all those ones there. And if I, if I had to put this in like my like ranking of the last kind of few, uh, I don't know, the last few fire emblem games, I would say it's like, you know what? Actually, I don't know. I think it's worse than fates and, and, and conquest and, and birthright. I think it's the worst game. It is not. Yeah, no. I think it is not worse it, than Red Right. No, it is. I like those Legends. games a lot. And you know what? Those games reviewed better than this one did. <laughs> Obviously, they had less reviews, but not that many less. Um, you know what? Yeah, I don't care. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real with you here. This one is the worst. Maybe Birthright is below it a little bit, but Awakening, Conquest revelations three houses heaps above it this one goes a little lower than that um yeah maybe it'll change my mind but so far oh boy no. <laughs> just... well i'm just the the girl that thinks that echoes is the best fire emblem so i agree with you though there you go Echoes is incredible i'm with you on that it's a good one. <laughs> oh, i wasn't expecting that <laughs> i love echoes echoes is a great game it's great um, it's because it's old school, but it's good time. That's the Shadows of Valencia one, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that shit's fucking dope. Look, that's the one time where I'm fine with the weapon meal and shit because that was the old, old one. That was when it was meant. That was how it was done. You know what I mean? Like, I'm cool with that shit. Um, it's just like, <laughs> don't give me the new stuff. You know what I mean? Like, in my new shit, I'm just like, let's be new. Let's keep moving the series forward. You know what I mean? Like that. That's that's my sort of. That's where I kind of start to get a little like, ah. I'm like, let's just keep moving forward. Let's not. Like take six steps back. That's all. Um, but no, I'm with you on that. I love Echoes. I had a great time with that game. That game kicked my ass when I first played it. I was like, oh, this is Fire Emblem. <laughs> yeah. Um, so pleasant and surprising points of agreement for us to find at the end there. Well, the thing is, we both love Fire Emblem a lot. We just love slightly different parts of it. But that's the good thing about mm. Fire Emblem. There's lots to it. Anyway, I guess I did have mm-hmm. a lot to say about the games that I was playing. <laughs> they just it just bubbles out of me. But I have nothing else to say because I haven't played Theatrum Rhythm this week because I've been playing Fire Emblem, and I haven't played Dead Space because I haven't touched my Xbox. So that's it! <laughs> um, 
which means it's time to move on to um, our topic, which our topic this week is about knowledge-based games. Because Paola brought this up, actually, because there is this um, video by, uh, oh, no, what was the name of the dude who, who did this? Super Dude, that's it, Super Dude, uh, his channel, where he talked about knowledge-based unlocks in video games. And to give like a really quick, quick breakdown of what this means, um, essentially it's it's the idea how how like in like in Metroidvanias, right? Typically, you find a thing, and it's like, oh look, this door, like Metroid, this door red. I can't get through this door. What's going on? <laughs> right? And you're like, oh no, how do I get through? Uh, so you run around, you go do things, and you find doors that you can't get through, and then you kill a boss, and then you open a you go to a Chozo statue and the Chozo statue goes, hello, good sir, I give you missiles. And you're like, oh shit, that's cool. And then they lock the door on you and you shoot it and you're like, oh, that door's red. And you're like, oh, I can open the red door now. And so you go off and you boom, we open the red door. And voila, you have item-based unlocks, right? Like it is, it is, you know, it is upgrade-based unlocks, which are Metroidvanias in a nutshell, where, you know, and then you feel smart because you figured it out, you connected to the things, you're like, I saw it, that was pretty cool. I figured it out, right? Um, and Zelda does this, and it's fun. Nothing wrong with that. Um, it's it's a pretty common way of doing them. Uh, whereas knowledge base unlocks, that's a whole other uh, bag of worms. Which have either of you played Tunic? Actually, I can't remember if you guys have played it yet. Not yet. You have. No. Paula, why don't I'm you tell us a bit what about what what a knowledge base unlock is? So instead of having a thing that lets you progress forward to the game, um. You have a piece of knowledge that hasn't been revealed to you until that until a certain point in the game. For example, Tunic, where you start collecting these pages of a manual, and some of them include instructions on how to execute certain moves. For example, if you want to roll forward to avoid enemies early in the game, you can. But if you, by some reason, don't know you can do that, you eventually get um, a page that tells you, hey, uh press a um, move forward and you roll mm -hmm. and then it's like hey i can do this and i could have done this from the very beginning of the game so in that sense um when you're playing an unlock uh, knowledge unlock based game um you do get that first experience where you are like learning the ropes of the thing. And then you, if you want to do a second playthrough, you're a fucking expert already. And then you can do things from the very beginning and explore areas that you maybe didn't think were possible to explore, but hey, you did have the way to do it. Just, you just didn't know that yet. Yeah. And it's really interesting because like, it points out that there's two types, right? There's the one that you, what you talked about in Tunic, where it's like, literally, it's just that you just don't know the rules of the world, right? Where it's like, you don't know the things that you can do yet. And as you learn the things that you can do, it's like, oh, holy shit, I can go do a bunch of stuff that... And, and I think what's neat about it is that unlike a game like in Metroid, where you cannot progress until you get the thing, the only reason you're not progressing in knowledge-based, with knowledge-based unlocks, is just because you just don't know yet but you could theoretically just figure it out and find something, right? And you could stumble onto it by accident, which is often what happens in these games. You stumble into something and you're like, wait, what is this? Um, and then you realize you don't know yet, so you have to come back later. Um, but he also mentions how like, there are some games like the Souls-like games, right? Where they don't necessarily have knowledge-based unlocks per se, but 
there is kind of this sense of like the surprises, right? Like, you know how in a lot of Souls like games, you turn a corner and then <gasps> surprise, there's actually a dude right there and you don't know until you get hit. But then if you go to play the game again, you just know they're there, right? And it's not really like you couldn't have known beforehand. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like you were missing some kind of knowledge and now you can go exploit the game. It's just like, now I just know what's going to happen, which is really different, right? It's You're not going to actually fundamentally change your experience of the game. You're just going to have a little more knowledge of how to beat something, right? Like, it's not actually... It, it doesn't give you a new dimension. Does that make sense a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, it's like... like for yeah. example... The game they actually put as an example was Sekiro because it really owns that uh, knowledge phase uh, unlock in the sense of, hey, usually on your second playthrough, the game might be a little dull because you already know like what's waiting for you. But in Sekiro, like, you kind of get into this rhythm on, on the game. Because you already know how to beat the enemies. You know uh, that guy is going to hit you like three times before uh, you're able to hit them. And then you are able to progress forward. Or like just hit it to death or whatever. And in Demon Souls, for example. Uh, <laughs> funny you said that you don't know that guy is there and you, unless you explore that, uh, that place. Uh, it walks you it walks you in the head with a stick or something. Because I actually had that happening to me. Um before I entered, I went through a door. There was a little message left by another player saying, There's a coward, turn left, there's a coward. And it was like, Thank you, sir or lady. I don't know who you are, but thank you very much. Because otherwise you <laughs> would have like beaten me to death because how I'm forgiving the game is at times. And in that case, like, hey, I have knowledge, I can avoid it. And then I can move forward and get even farther and farther as I learn how the game works or how the enemies are positioned. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because I don't know, maybe maybe what I'd like to talk about too is like, do we like these <laughs> as well? Because something that I was thinking about. And like, maybe this just betrays how much of a dummy I am. But like, a lot of these knowledge-based unlock games, oh, fuck, I gotta use a guide for like so much of it. Because I think part of what I think is interesting and maybe one of the, and, and I don't know if this is necessarily unique to knowledge-based um, unlock games, but when you think about a knowledge-based, you know, the idea that it's based on knowledge, there's only so much that you can learn about the game, right? Um, so you get to a point wherein, as you're starting it, you're learning a lot of information, right? And you're getting all this new stuff and it's allowing you to find all these things and it's allowing you to unlock new stuff and you're progressing, you're progressing, you're progressing. But you inevitably hit a point wherein you have learned so much that now there's a very small amount of information that you actually have to learn. And the problem is, where the fuck is it? Because, again, <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Like, you no longer actually know, especially if it's extremely nonlinear, like Tunic is, um, or Outer Wilds even, really. 
that even more so outer wilds, I would say. You no longer really are sure where you should go to look for the information because you have so much knowledge now that you can. it's hard for you to figure out where your gaps in knowledge are. You know what I mean? Um, and like, I find that it can end up becoming extremely frustrating because you're like, I know I can't pro pro progress, but I don't know what fucking little thing that I need right now because I feel like I've explored this entire freaking place and I don't know where to go anymore. Um, and it seems to me like it's one of the potential kind of downfalls of them, but I don't know. Rick, what do you think? I've been talking for so long. Well, I think that's an interesting one where, where you think about what makes gaming as a medium unique because there there is no other medium that will gate your progression in that way. Mm -hmm. um, it adds an element of realism, you know, the possibility that you can miss things like that. But I also think, you know, from a meta perspective, we see more and more games like this in part because game makers know that you can lean on a guide. That's my view on it anyway. Um, you can take risks with asking the player to uh, pick up different bits of knowledge and piece them together um, because you know that if they can't, they can just Google it mm -hmm. and pick up and crack on from there. Um, I think it's interesting thinking about how that has evolved as well um, because knowledge-based gaming at its inception would have been passwords. Yeah, You know, you put the right string of letters and numbers in, you can skip to the final boss in a game, but you wouldn't know them unless you get to that point. And I suppose you can almost say from the beginning they've been a roadblock in that sense because you had to write that code down somewhere, otherwise you couldn't restore your progress at the very earliest sort of juncture of gaming. Um, I think the, the real strength of knowledge-based games, and, and I haven't had a chance to play it yet myself, but The Outer Wilds, this seems to be a massive uh, point in its favor that people often throw out. That beautiful sort of aha moment of puzzle solving yeah. is um, what knowledge-based progression gives you, and it, mm -hmm. it, it's another opportunity for it to do that. Um, you know, in a sense, all, all progression is knowledge-based because, yes, you have the tool, but then it's realizing how to use it. But obviously, um, I think the difference though context, is that, yeah, like in that case, you have a tool to use, right? Whereas in knowledge-based, there is no tool. It's simply what you know. It's just that you're using your brain. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think I probably agree broadly with you, Alex, in that while I like it, I do probably find more frustration stems from it hmm. but i also think i i haven't played loads of games where that is necessarily required of you um right it's like it, sorry go on. i was just saying conceptually i love it right like it's like a thing that like it's such a great idea and then i think about the games that i actually love the most and play the most never those <laughs> you know what i mean like I, yeah Probably a fantastic example of that is um, when you think about like games that have endings and true endings, and it's only by completing the first ending that it gives you hints to what sort of arcane extra things you need to do to actually see the true ending. Um, Castlevania is often um, at fault for this. Um, Near Automata, absolutely. Although with that one, you do have to beat the A route first. It's not that you... Yeah with different knowledge could skip the a route right um so it's slightly different but i think of something like um order of ecclesia my favorite mm. castlevania game and, and you know i'm not going to go into spoilers because i know that this is one you might come back to you didn't actually oh. finish it when you played it last time um 
there are a number of um, not very well signposted and off the beaten path um, triggers you need to hit to see the true ending. Mm. Um, it's very unlikely that you would hit them in a regular playthrough. On my first playthrough, I think I hit all but one of them. And the there's a cutscene at the end of the regular end that highlights all the things that you would have needed to do and didn't do in order to see the true end. Now, obviously, that then encourages you to go back and do those extra things and then hit the ending sequence again. Um, but again, the tool that you've gained is not a, a particular new ability, um, a new string to your bow or anything like that. It's just the game has told you you need to go somewhere and do another thing in order for a different ending to trigger. And had you known that at the start, you could have ticked all those boxes and gone and seen the true end anyway. And I think, again, to come back to your point, this is something that a lot of us will do playing a game with a guide. We'll just hit all those trigger points because we've taken a shortcut to that knowledge. Yeah, because um, why would I want to go back after it? In that case, it was seeing a waste of time, right? Like the, the idea is not, oh, I want to experience this game as the developer made it. It's almost, I want to experience this game in the optimal way the first time and i think that then speaks to more the motivations of the player than it does anything else yeah in that case then you have a some journalists that i think enter that that realm of knowledge based game not necessarily like the other games that i play because some of them like get you from a certain route until you do the other routes but for example as get you could in theory get um the through ending on your first playthrough if you know where to look. And that is a very big if because of how the um, decision system works because it isn't like the regular uh, vision alone in the sense of, oh, hit A or hit B. It's like, when are you responding to that message or when are you doing that thing? Visual novels are such a gray area for that kind of thing, though, because it's it's not yeah. a game where you ever get tools. It's more a case of you're experiencing the story, um, yeah. and that story is often um, designed around you seeing the wrong routes first. Um, I was going to try and tie 13 Sentinels in in that, but it doesn't really fit in the same way. There's always um, a way. <laughs> there's always a way, and- in a roundabout way, I have succeeded because we're talking about it now. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> hmm? uh, the, the other thing that I do like that in knowledge base and books, I do agree in the sense of, hey, where is the one piece of knowledge that I need for, for me to finish this stupid game? Or like, but it is kind of like when you're in a collectathon in a way, like, you're still looking for a thing that you need to either beat the game or like do a completionist run. And then it's like frustrating because you don't know between all of the things you've been collecting, you don't know where to look. So in a way, I don't think it's any different from like regular unlocks or like collectibles in that regard. Mm. Um, the thing is, is that in most um, knowledge phase unlocks, you have to get them to go forward and in that case they are relying on you to get the guide but i have to say uh, dark souls does a fantastic job with that because of how the community thing works where you have the hints from other players that have been playing the game for longer than you and 
you can rate those uh, hints. So in the case of someone trolling the other players, like go forward and then you fall off a cliff, you know it is a bad hint because people have been rating it badly. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to touch upon is that there's some, you could say there's some mixed uh, unlocks. For example, I'm gonna talk about Breath of the Wild because why not? You do get items like bombs and not items, sorry, runes. Uh, the bombs runes and the um, stasis rune and the cryonis rune. But you can't you can uh, discover new ways of how to use them to use their full potential. Because you obviously can just drop off a bomb and call it a day. But you could also tie that bomb to a uh, octobaloon and find it with a cork leaf to a nearby camp and make it explode away, like over the enemies. And they don't know what hit them or who hit them, which is kind of fun. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Sometimes when I talk about Breath of the Wild, I feel like I come across like a little bit of a sociopath or a psychopath. And anyway, and or the other thing you can do, like those are more like exploits. But for example, you could propel yourself with cryonis if you chill jump just at the right time and hit the ice block as it is lifting up. And then you're able to do like such a high jump that you wouldn't usually be able to do. Or another example is, oh, no, that, that one is exploit. The uh, wind bombs don't count. Well, I was Those say, are totally an exploit. Stuff though, isn't it? That is all stuff that's utilizing the new abilities you get rather than learning knowledge that allows you to sidestep other stuff or do things differently and, and that is true. It, it gets that's why i call it mix because you get a new item but then how you use that item is up to you and, and this is where it gets tricky from a, a definitional um footing because it, tools and knowledge intersect yeah. in many ways because the tool's only good as your knowledge of how and where to use it but that's not necessarily knowledge based yeah so it, it, it's difficult because i i also think maybe maybe to like if we're trying to get like to a closer definition kind of like what he super dude sort of talks about where it's like do the does the developer intend for you to use this knowledge to progress right and it's like right in these games like tunic and our wilds and whatnot they're specifically giving you information they give it to you to use. Whereas what you're sort of talking about, I think is awesome, but it's a, it's slightly different, right? It's like systems um, that, for example, Breath of the Wild doesn't tell you how to do that stuff, right? Like they'll give you information about how to yeah. use a bomb in general, but then they give you the freedom to explore and have fun, right? Which I think is a slightly different, but also great um, sort of, which actually I would probably argue I prefer even more than knowledge-based unlocks is just like the freedom to, to fuck around a little bit um, uh, within restraints. But um, yeah, I think maybe we've sort of bumped up against maybe the limits of the definition a little bit. Um, where mm -hmm. it's like now you're, because again, I think anytime tools come into play, 
um, is when you've actually left the realm of knowledge based, right? Where it's like, oh, okay, yeah. now you've, because once you unlock a thing, you've unlocked something already, right? You've unlocked a tool that now you can go and use whoever you desire. Um, whereas, but then again, I guess some of the tools, maybe you're given a tool from the beginning, like in Outer Wilds, you're given a scanner from the beginning and maybe you, but you don't really learn how to use it differently. No, I don't know. Maybe that is, maybe for me, that, that'll be the limits. Or it's like knowledge that just allows you to do something that you could always do in the game, right? But you okay. didn't know you could do that yet. Um, yeah. Oh, the other things, for example, the tricks that you can do on uh, Super Mario 64 or on like Super Mario Odyssey. Like you could uh, go through the entire game like with the most the basic uh, jumps but then you can do like special jumps yeah those are those are technically knowledge based but they aren't required to beat the game yeah i would say those are definitely yeah because again that's something you can do from the very beginning right um and when you learn about them you could theoretically skip a lot of stuff in the game and like you can experience the game in a whole different way um Nice. And it's like, and I guess it depends because like if Nintendo teaches you to do them, but anyway, you know what? It's funny. Knowledge-based unlock games, I feel like to me are like art house films where I totally love them. They're great, but, but I don't want to watch them all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I got to be in the mood for it. You know what I'm saying? Like give me a good old blockbuster once in a while, like most of the time. And then every once in a while, I would like a nice little beautiful art house piece of film or a knowledge base unlock to just whet my appetite. But I don't think I could play them all the time because they get a little too intense. <laughs> As with all things, variety is the spice of life. Ain't that true? Should we move on, do you think? I think I've exhausted what I can add to this, absolutely. Yeah. Me too. Well, then let's move on to... How long to beat the game? I think this is the last round, and I believe it's against, I think me and Rick are going up, so Paola's going to have the game, because uh, currently Paola is in the lead with 11. Um, oh, wait, did I, we do it last week, Rick? Or was it Paola and I? It was Paola and I, wasn't it? It was you two yeah. last week, yeah. And we maybe go for one more game week after this. Yeah, maybe we don't, I don't know. It's probably a good point, time to shout out that now that Paola's actually started Sisters of Sleeper, we have picked... Mm. the next how long to beat the game game which was um my back-to-back pick and uh we have settled on moon scars um we've generally sort of been aiming for games that are on game pass like no or low barrier to entry this is one that me and alex both played and enjoyed the demo of um and paula doesn't have to pay anything to partake in either so i think you like that's one we've landed on i i think it's one we'll all get a get a kick out of for sure um and we'll find out more about it as the weeks progress Indeed. um so we've stored long enough for you pal what game are we considering this week okay so i had to reroll a couple of times because one of the games was immortality <laughs> so that, and that That's was the reason one. one in yeah uh so the game we have here is high rewards definitive edition Ooh. is what sorry hyrule warriors definitive edition uh, yep. Okay. Uh oh. Mm. Spaghetti. I may or may not have seen this one recently. <laughs> um, God damn it. <laughs> well, actually, no, not this particular one. I think it was the newer one. Because wasn't there like a Hyrule 
Warriors 3 something. Age of like, Calamity, yeah. Isn't Age of Calamity the Breath of the, the Zelda one? Oh, Age this is Hyrule Warriors. Oh, sorry. Oh, how was I thinking this was the Fire Emblem Warriors? <laughs> Hyrule Warriors. I haven't looked at this one recently. <laughs> You know what? I was thinking about the the Dynasty Warriors one as well, the Musou. It is Dynasty. It is a Dynasty yeah. Warriors type game. It is a Dynasty Warriors game. Right. So is, is this the first one, or is this the one the one that originally released on 3DS and then they ported? Well, definitive edition. This must be the ported one. It right? was actually the. It was actually uh, originally released on Wii U, then on 3DS, then on Switch. This is the definitive right. edition, so it is the Switch release. God, they got their money's worth, didn't they? Fuck. <laughs> Only Nintendo. Um, right, so. What's our uh, special thing this time, Paula? And, and for new listeners, um, there's five points mm-hmm. up for grabs. There's one for each of the main, main plus and 100% times. And then what Paula's about to throw us is worth two extra points, five points each at most up for grabs. Sorry, as you were. Um, I have, like, I want to, there's two possible questions for this. So I'm going to go with, um, okay, there's people who have emulated the game. How long did it take them to go to 100%? Oh, okay. 100%, Jesus Christ. 100% for emulator. Okay. Okay, well, I'm going to send you my first things first. I'm going to think about this one here. Yeah. What an emulator. Interesting. Interesting. Emulator fellows. Hmm. Fuck, I don't know. Um... Like, is it more like this? Is the, the question now is like, would it be any more or less than like the normal? Or less. Time? Yeah. How does this split out? <laughs> oh, I hate this two point question. No offense, Paula. I, I don't know what to do with this at all. I don't know either. I'm having I'm a bit of a moment here. Uh, I'm just going to say, I actually played all three iterations of this game. And the 3DS version was the worst one. No, I don't believe you. Yeah, that makes sense. It was sense. because of how... <laughs> oh, God damn it, I, I wasn't looking at your oh, face. Oh, bless you, you thought I was sincere. I don't believe that the, the handheld port of the console game didn't run as well. That that shocks me to my core, Paula. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I put in all my times. I, I I'm not feeling great right. about these ones, but nope, me neither. We'll I I don't know how crazy to go with 100 percent on me neither. The regular or the other one, and I've put a big time, and I still feel like I've probably undershot it massively. Anyway, yeah, throw us some numbers, Paula. We're locked in. I don't think I went high enough, probably, but we'll see. Alex, what's your thing with the half hours? I like half hours. It gives me wiggle room. <laughs> yeah, but... Okay, so this is the thing. You wrote it as a fraction, like one divided in two on two of them. Oh, whoops, sorry. Let me do... And then you went 30 minutes in the other one. I forgot how <laughs> I write them usually. There we go. There we go. 
No, wait. Oh, no. Now it says 130 minutes. <laughs> okay, now it's fixed. <laughs> okay. They're all half hours because we don't. So, they don't do any other type. Ooh. Ooh. So this is interesting. So for main story, Alex says 17 hours and 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And Rick says 16 hours. I'm sorry, Rick, because Alex is almost on the money. If he didn't went for that half hour, extra what? half hour, he would have been spot on. The main story oh. of the game lasts uh, 17 hours. So the point goes to Alex. Hey. My half hours actually <laughs> betrayed me this time. Well, no, I guess not. <laughs> Almost betrayed you. Because... <laughs> or yeah. like, what happened? Like, never mind. Let's not re-legislate half hours. They're <laughs> wrong, but we tolerate them. What's the main plus time, pal? They're on the site. Okay. The main plus time, Alex says 34 hours and a half, and Rick says 30 hours. Sorry, Rick. Alex gets the point because he's spot on. It is mm. 34 and a half hours for main and side. Damn right. At times two. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but I think you're about to get for a point on me, Rick. <laughs> Maybe. For completionist, Alex says 100 hours and a half. <laughs> We're time. And Rick says 150 hours. And both of you over uh, undershot it like oh. big time because what? the actual completionist time for this is 366 hours. Fuck off. Excuse remember, me. Are you I beg your pardon. What? Sorry, what? Remember, this version of the game has oh all God. the previously um, released contents of the game, both that were both on the 3DS and the Wii U versions, because both of them has exclusive contents, plus all the DLC release for yeah. the game. That is a silly amount of time. Anyway, okay. And, and put us out of our misery. Is yeah, emulated... no way I got near Is that. emulated higher or lower? It surely must be lower. It is higher. What? I beg your pardon. I think I'm screwed then. Uh, uh -oh. <laughs> so... what, what, what time did Alex put? Go on. Alex says 155 hours, and Rick says two, one, 120 hours. <gasps> Sorry, it is 500 hours. Oh, shit! Alex gets the two points. Oh, That's ridiculous. Okay, okay. Wow, I was not even, I way undershot at all of those. Um, I was trying to think. I was like, I guess emulated could be longer, but then at the same time, maybe they're just playing more if it's emulated. Like, I was like, I don't know. Um, but emulated probably how many how many scores are there for emulated? Like how many times have actually been tabulated? Uh, two times actually. Uh, yeah. Oh well, that's silly. Okay, right. Uh, <laughs> I oh, there was another fun question that I could have asked. Um, how many playable characters are in the definitive version of the game? That would have been a better question for sure. Extra uh, pump, no point. I'm gonna say sixty-one. <laughs> it is twenty-nine. Oh, ah, I got it anyway. <laughs> Price is righted me the wrong way. <laughs> uh, Price is wrong. Yeah. Shit. Okay. Well, then that means right now it's 14 for me, 11 for Paula, 7 for Rick. Which, do we have one more round, I think? Right? I don't know. I mean, we can do. Or is that it? Do I, I get to win? It, it, it's it when we want it to be. Like, if you want the dub, that's fine. Did we do two full rounds? Was that it? I assume so, yeah, because the, the numbers yeah. roughly add up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then we should probably cap it there, because, Rick, you're not going to get 
close uh, at this point. Like, I don't know, Paolo, what are you, are you fine with that or what are you, how are you feeling? I mean, I mean, I could, you, there's could, every chance. Yeah. You, yeah. We could do another full round if you want. I mean, we just picked the, the new game. Well, we'll worry about fun. this off recording. This isn't riveting podcast content. True. We can, we can let I like to see how the sausage gets made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. That was another fantastic week of gaming. We'll see you all next week. Toodaloo. Peace. Bye.